Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. My name is Benjamin Pace, and we have been talking about a series um, that I have called Poor No More. And I've been talking about how to come out of poverty. And this has just been on my heart recently. You know, there's a lot of people who go back and forth about whether or not it's God's will for us to have what the world would call prosperity. And people talk about the prosperity gospel. Um, But what I wanted to center on in this series is God's will for us to not be in poverty. We could talk about some of the other things, and as we go into the series, we will talk about some of those things. But what I wanted to lay a foundation about is whether or not God desires for us to live below the barrel, so to speak, whether He desires for us to live struggling. Is it God's will for us to not have enough? to not be able to pay our bills, to not drive decent cars, to not live in decent homes. Is that God's will? Is he okay with that? And we're talking about how to get to a place where we can say we are not poor anymore. (laughs) And you may have heard that phrase before. Man, that all rhymed, and I didn't mean for any of it to rhyme. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it did. Um, The text I've been going on for this series is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, starting in about verse, well, verse 1, actually. Um, maybe it's not verse 1, actually. I have this on my iPad, so I don't see the actual verse, so I apologize. But I'm going to start where it starts. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. So why would God want you to do what he says to do? Because he wants you to live, but not only to live, he wants you to multiply. You know, some people don't even believe it's God's will for them to live. (laughs) You know, you got to start there. It's God's will for you to live and not die. But it's not only his will for you to live and not die. It's his will for you to multiply. Man, I'm in that rhyme flow already. He said to go in and possess the land of which he swore to your fathers. Does God want you to possess some things? Yes, he's okay with you possessing things. He's just not okay with the things possessing you. And really, things can't possess you because they don't have a mind. They're not an entity. But the reality is the enemy can possess you by means of covetousness and idolatry. That's what you have to understand. I, I know I've said that a lot. You know, God wants you to have money. He just doesn't want money to have you. And that that's true. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. But really, all that is, is just a means by which the enemy gains control of your life. I mean, drug dealers are famous for um, getting people on different things and, and getting people on addiction so that they can control them and different things of that nature. Well, the enemy is the same way. If he can get you to not obey God with something, then he can control you by it. But, you know, anything that you will obey God with 100%, will never become an idol, but you can enjoy it. And he said, you'll remember that the Lord your God led you all the way through the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart. You notice he led them through the wilderness. He didn't lead them to the wilderness. That's something that's important to remember. And he wanted to know whether or not you'd keep his commandments. He humbled you. He allowed you to get hungry and fed you. Now, now I want to point that out to you. A lot of people say, well, see, God allowed you to get hungry. Yes, and then fed you. (laughs) People miss that part. 
Well, you know, sometimes God will allow you to get hungry so he can teach you a lesson. Well, okay, but what was the lesson? He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. Why? He wanted you to know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. What was God trying to show them? That I'm your source. I'm your source. Even in the middle of the desert, I can rain manna from heaven. God didn't allow them to go hungry so that they could stay hungry. He allowed them to get hungry so that they could turn to him as their source. So he could feed them. Do you see that? And that's what a lot of people miss. He said, your garments didn't wear out on you. Uh, your foot didn't swell these 40 years. And he said, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord chastens you. Uh, and he goes on to say this, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Now, he brought them through the wilderness. I'm going to say it again, but he's bringing them to a good land. And he said it's a land of, of brooks, of water, fountains, springs, valleys, hills, wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, all this great stuff. And he said, it's a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity and which you will lack nothing. So where is God bringing them to? A land without scarcity in which they will lack nothing. Why would God be bringing them into this place? Because that's his perfect will is for us to be without scarcity and lacking nothing. James talks about, hey, if you're in, enduring um, afflictions and trials right now, count it all joy because patience is working in you. And through patience, you're going to be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So it's the same end goal. It's the same end result. But notice this. He said, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Um, this has to do with things that are in what God has given you that you don't recognize. You know, a lot of people are wondering why they don't have more. And the truth is they do have more. They just haven't done anything with it. They haven't digged in it. They haven't, they haven't dug into what God has given them. So they didn't find the treasure that was in it, that God had left there for them. Why? Well, we're going to talk about this, but because of laziness, because of not doing anything with what God has given you. And he goes on to say, you'll bless the Lord for the good land which he has given you. It says, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses, notice he said, when, not if, and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, he warns them against letting that lift their heart up and turning against God and saying, my power and my might has got me this wealth. But he says this in verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. This is what we're talking about. It's God's will for us to come out of lack and poverty. Um, what we're talking about today is to will and to do. I want to talk about willingness and obedience for just a few minutes. Um, Brother Hagen, Brother Kenneth Hagen, talks about how he was in ministry and he was struggling financially. He had stepped out of being in a church position that was decently paid and had a parsonage and all these things and had gone out into full-time ministry on his own. And things weren't going well financially. Uh, he was struggling to pay his bills. He was in debt. His family wasn't clothed properly. Now, a lot of people would look at that 
and say, uh, well, see, I, I obeyed God and I stepped out and I'm dealing with this, so this must be God's will. No, uh, that's not God's will. And just because you're experiencing something does not mean that that is God doing it. You know, there's an enemy in the world and he doesn't just leave God's purposes and plans alone. He does everything he can to persecute them. But when we obey God and we listen to God, it blocks the enemy's access and opens the window to God in our life. We talked about that in last week's podcast. But he sought the Lord about it, and the Lord said to Brother Hagin, he said, uh, I said in my word, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And he told Brother Hagin, you, you've been obedient, but you haven't been willing. Notice that both are required, willing and obedient. And God dealt with the willingness first before he talked about how to release his faith for finances. If you're not familiar with that, you can read that in his book called How God Taught Me About Prosperity. Um, it's a mini book. You can get it either online or you can order it. But what's interesting is that uh, Brother Hagen obeyed God, but God brought up to him how he was always looking back at what he had before with longing and, and saying, oh, it was so nice when I, I was back there and I, I had that and things were so easy. Things were so easy. Now, it doesn't mean things were necessarily better. They were just easy. You know, the Israelites looked back in Egypt when they were in the middle of the wilderness, and it wasn't that it was better than they, where they were going. It was just that it was easier because it didn't require them to use as much faith. <laughs> and Brother Hagin was looking back at that, and the Lord said, you, you're, you've been obedient, but you're not willing. In other words, you're not going all in with what I've called you to do in this. And Jesus said, you can't set your hand to the plow and look back. That affects your willingness. It affects what you're investing into what God has called you to do. And it limits God's ability and access to bless you in the thing that he's called you to do if you're always looking back and always uh, longing after the good old days instead of having faith that the best is yet to come. And of course, Brother Hagin got that right and corrected and the Lord was able to help him and lead him and show him what to do to get out of that. Um, but in Isaiah 119, it says this, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. This is the, the scripture that the Lord brought up to him. He says, But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. So this has to do with access. Um, being willing and obedient has to do with you eating the good of the land, but refusing and rebelling has to do with being devoured yourself, the devourer getting access to you. Why? Refusing and rebelling. You know, it's good to take inventory in our lives and say, is there anything in my life that I'm refusing to do, that I'm refusing to even look at? Now, obviously, we're not talking about compromise and your conscience. There are some things you should absolutely refuse to do when you know it's a bother in your heart. I'm talking about other things. Is there anything that you've thought, I just refuse to do that? You need to pray and seek the Lord and find out why and make sure that it's not something he would have you at least be willing to do. But notice this in the New King James um, well, that's what we're reading in, actually. In verse 20, 
He said, your silver has become dross and your wine has been mixed with water. This is giving us a picture of what it means to not be willing. In the Message Bible, it says your coins are all counterfeit and your wine is watered down. What, is it, what does that mean? Counterfeit, watered down, that has to do with being fake and diluted, not good quality. Uh, you could say it has to do with being half-hearted, doing what God has called you to do half-heartedly, not having your whole heart in it. You know, it's obeying God, kind of. <laughs> it's the bare minimum. You know what I mean by that? Not going all in with the thing that God has told you to do. And if you want to eat the good of the land, you have to treat the land like it's good land. What do I mean by that? Where God has put you, what God has given you, what he's told you to do, you have to value it. You have to honor it. You have to put your whole heart into it. You've got to sow into that ground with your whole heart if you're going to reap a harvest out of that land that you will eat good from. Does that make sense? So I want to talk about four types of people when it comes to willingness and obedience. Number one, there are those who obey half-heartedly and grudgingly. Number two, there are those who have a heart toward God, but they never get around to doing what he told them to do. Number three, there are those who rebel against God altogether. And number four, there are those who both wholeheartedly and quickly obey God. And the last one is the one who eats the good of the land. In Matthew 20, it talks about these workers who worked for their master, but when they saw his generosity towards somebody else that they thought deserved less than them, their heart became grudging against him. They thought they deserved more and didn't receive what they deserved, and their heart was grudging against him. Well, they did the work, but their heart was wrong. That has to do with unwillingness, a wrong heart, grudging against God. That's what it's a type and shadow of. Well, there are there people who have been faithful, quote-unquote, at the same church, but their heart is grudging against God because of what hasn't happened in their life yet? See, this is all part of unwillingness. Look at this in Luke 5, verse 1. It says, So it was as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And what did he do? He asked Simon for something. And what did Simon do? He said, yes, absolutely. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. What happened here? Peter was willing to let Jesus into the boat, to use his boat, and then when he said to do something, even though it didn't make sense, whatever he says to you, do it. That's what Mary told the servants in John chapter 2. And he did what Jesus said, and it produced a harvest. He ate the good of the land because of his willingness to let Jesus use his ship 
and his obedience to launch out, even though it didn't make sense. And, you know, a lot of people are still struggling because they have not done the things that God has told them to do. They may be willing to do it, but they haven't done it. And some of these things may not even seem connected to the, the problem that you have. But when you do what God tells you to do, it has a ripple effect. And one thing leads to another. Look at this. I mentioned it in John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to him, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. You know, a big part of financial increase is being led by the Spirit and not by other things. People waste money by not being led by the Spirit. And it's one thing to have a heart that's willing to do the right thing. But if you don't do what God says to do, you can still miss out on some things. But God is merciful and He's faithful and He'll help you to get out of that situation. But many times God is trying to lead us into this good land, but we have to do what He says to do. In Philippians 2.13 it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So do all things without complaining and disputing. What is that? That is doing all things with a willing heart. But notice that God works in us both to will and to do. It is both important. We have to both be willing and act on what God tells us to do. Matthew 21, 28 says, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. What's he doing? He's refusing and rebelling. But watch this. Afterward, he regretted it and went. Then came the second son, and, and he said likewise to him, and he said, I'm going, sir. But he did not go. He got distracted. He forgot. He never got around to it. And he said, which of them did the will of the Father? And they said, the first. You know, saying you'll do something is not the same as doing it. <laughs> saying you'll pray for somebody is not the same as praying for them. Saying, oh, one day I'm going to give to the church. Uh, here's something, pledging to give is not the same as giving. You can't reap a harvest off of something you pledged to sow. No, you've got to actually sow it. Saying you'll do something but never doing it is not what produces results. And one of the biggest reasons for poverty in people's life is laziness. Simply not doing what you know to do or what God has told you to do. And many people want to blame poverty on God's will or other people, or the government, when one of the greatest causes of poverty is a refusal or a forgetfulness to do what you know to do, or a laziness to do what God tells you to do. One of the biggest things that will cause us to be poor no more is not only a willing heart, but watch this, a diligent hand to do what God tells us to do. Proverbs 10.4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. I want to mention this one phrase to you before I leave. We don't receive from God based on what God can do. We receive from God based on our faith, but faith without works is dead. So let me say it to you this way. We receive based on what we are willing to do by faith. 